Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, it's another wonderful Tuesday, and it's nice and warm here and all over. And, you know, one of those things I always like to remind people is about the temperatures. You know, even though you have a day where it might be a bit cloudy and it's kind of cool and you think, yeah, my dog's okay outside or he's okay in my car, you know, the sun can come out and, and really can cause your, your dog extreme distress or, or potentially uh, could be fatal. So just remember that when you do have your dog, if you do take your dog with you, make sure that you either leave your car running, still leave the windows cracked a bit, and they do make these great temperature sensors now that will be able to tell if the temperature goes up. But basically, unless it's a service dog that's going in with you or you're going to be able to check it pretty frequently, just please be careful, be aware. I actually have a great sensor in my car so I can leave my car running with my dogs in it, and of course nobody's going to steal my car with you know a few hundred pound ridgebacks in it. But you know, it, I do have a temperature sensor that makes an alarm onto my phone in case there is a problem. This way, even if I'm right nearby, which I obviously would be, if there is a dog in my car, I'm still able to know that the temperature isn't more than you know 75 degrees inside the car. But you have to be careful. Because I think people feel that, oh, if I leave the windows cracked, they can't be cracked. You should really, really have either keeping your car running, um, obviously not in a garage or an enclosed area. That's not good for anybody with carbon monoxide. But if you do leave the windows open, it's always a great idea to have your dog in a, in a contained area, either in the back of your car or in a large area where the dog can uh, you know, move around and definitely get out of the sun. Also, great idea to keep some nice cool water there so that if he does get thirsty. Uh, but the best thing to do in the summer heat is just leave your dog in, inside your house in the air conditioning um, or in a, in a safe, shaded area. Um, we just heard uh, there was actually a little dog down in Georgia. And, you know, of course, it's pretty warm down there all the time. We just got word that somebody had gone in about 15 minutes to go do some shopping, left their little dog, I don't remember the breed, but like something small, like a Minpin or a Chihuahua, and uh, the dog actually passed away. That um, It was, you know, the owners didn't want to leave the windows cracked too much because they were concerned that the dog would get out. Um, and unfortunately, in that 15 minutes, it heated up enough that the dog, you know, passed away and had heat stroke. So, you know, again, just be aware of things. Uh, another thing is a lot of times, especially if your dog is in a fear phase, um, we get into these spring and summer thunderstorms. They can be very, very scary for a dog. So if you do know there's any kind of inclement weather, make sure your dog stays inside. Um, people often ask me, and this is one of the topics we're going to discuss today, um, you know, how do I know if my dog was abused? Uh, we've spoken about this in past uh, shows, but how do you know if a dog was abused or if it was just uh, brought up where there were a lot of weather changes? Well, you really don't know, but you can't go back. Unfortunately, you can't change the past. If you could, we could all buy winning lottery numbers and we'd all be rich, but that doesn't happen. So we can't go backward in time. So since we can't do that, the best thing to do is to move forward. 
how do you expect your dog to get past his past if you can't get past his past? So what that means is it regardless, just absolutely regardless of whether or not your dog came from a rescue or shelter or was a, a dog that was found on the street or it was from a grand champion show breeder like myself, it doesn't matter what we have. It matters what we change it to. So it's kind of the same way as I explain to people. Imagine if um, I'm in New Jersey and uh, Tyler's in uh, Missouri and you have uh, Christine who's in uh, Georgia and Katie in Georgia and then you have somebody else in Florida. You have Luis in Mexico. You have Gary in Bulgaria. And we're all over, Jesse in Alaska. We've got all our people all over the United States and all over the world. Does it matter where they are, or does it matter that when we have our national convention every year, that everybody gets to the specific right place? Well, of course that's it. We don't all have to get there the same way, but we should all try always to get there, which means with a dog. You don't have to worry about what happened to your dog. I can tell, certainly after years and years and years of doing this and 30 years almost of Rhodesian Ridgeback breeding and, and more of that than, than I even care to remember of rescues and rescuing bunnies and horses and dogs and kitties and everything and frogs and salamanders and you name it. Um, it, it doesn't matter what happened in the past, unfortunately, because we can't change it. And I'm talking about behavior, not health conditions. If you know, obviously, an animal has a health condition, that's something for your veterinarian. But if you have a dog or a horse or a bunny who has a behavioral issue, it's great to know what happened, but it really doesn't change anything. Because the problem is that if for whatever reason your dog has a behavioral issue, the dog is fearful, could it be from the dog being abused or hit or around a lot of yelling, screaming people? Absolutely. It could also be from the dog growing up near an area that there were a lot of backfires or bus garages or near a marina where there's a lot of loud rumbling noises. It could also be from thunderstorms. It doesn't mean the dogs were locked outside in the thunderstorm. It just means that there was a thunderstorm and your dog may have been either outside or in an upper level uh, floor, or it might have felt that, or somebody's house may have gotten a, a rumble and a crack of uh, rumble of thunder, a crack of lightning, and, you know, something could have happened. The dog could have been in a car accident. It could have had anything happen to it, and we don't know. That's what the problem is. Dogs can't tell us what happened to them. So what we basically do is forget that anything ever did happen. That means that not that we're going to discount anything that could have happened in the past uh, health-wise, but let's say you knew for sure that your dog was, you know, abused by a man in a hat and a beard, okay? So does that mean that he's allowed to be afraid of or to bite every man with a hat and a beard? How about if your father, father-in-law, husband, grandfather, or you happen to see the guys from the... Uh, uh, the crazy show in Louisiana, right? The gator hunter guys. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't matter. We can't allow a behavior to continue because if we can't get past the dog's past, how do we expect our dog to get past his past? So we've had seen dogs who have been hit by cars. We've seen dogs who have had all kinds of 
you know, terrible instances that we knew about and incidents that you really wish you could take back. But we can't. But if the dog is alive and he's here and now, and you are alive and here and now, then together we need to work to teach your dog not to be afraid of the thunderstorm or of the car or of the clap of thunder or of whatever it is that the dog might be fearful of. It doesn't mean, again, that we're not going to be sensitive to it or aware of it. But the problem is that as soon as we know that something happened in the past, we humans, we're going to keep ourselves in the past. We can't get past our past. When somebody does something wrong in a friendship or in a marriage, what do we do? I can't get past that. I can't take it. You're the worst person in the world even though I just married you or even though you were my best friend for 30 years. We have to be able to forgive and we have to be able to change ourselves and change our energy so we don't create a situation for our dogs. We're going to talk a little bit more about how people impact dogs in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Purr Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems. Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to purspraypet.com. That's P-U-R-spraypet.com, purspraypet.com. Or call us now at 386-310-3924. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're talking about how you can change your dog's behavior and your dog's fear issues by very simply changing your own energy. Now, there are rare occasions where a dog might have an issue that is uh, chemical or that is physical, such as a a dog who's got the chemical receptors in the brain that are either a little bit malfunctioning or under or over. Um, And certainly sometimes dogs will have a physical thing like an inoperable fungal lesion or a brain tumor or something like that, Uh, although now they're doing amazing things with serious active radio surgery. Uh, But basically 99% of dogs, if not higher than that, Uh, who have behavioral issues can be fixed and can be fixed naturally. So what we want to do is look back at what might have caused it. Okay, the dog seems to be afraid of loud noises. Now, when you're working with your dog, and if your dog is going to be a service dog, 
it's got to be, at least if it goes through MerlinsKids.org, you've got to have that dog at a service dog level where the dog is non-reactive to anything. Now, one of my biggest pet peeves is dogs who are great with people and they're terrible with other dogs so that when you're in the airport, and, you know, some people, obviously, if you're listening to the show, you're genuinely trying to learn about how to fix your dog's behavior and make it a great service dog. But you know that if you have a dog who's well-trained and who's legitimately a service dog, we've all been there where we're in a mall or we're in a supermarket or we're in, you know, a, on a merry-go-round or in an airport or at a bus terminal or wherever you are, and somebody else has a dog that starts barking and carrying on and lunging at yours, and it has a service vest on. Well, I've got a real problem with that. doesn't mean that because your dog has fear issues that he'll never be or she'll never be a service dog. It just means that we need to make sure that that gets taken care of, and that's absolutely 100% you cannot allow that to continue. That doesn't mean you're going to be mean to the dog. You're not going to hurt him. But we need to build confidence in the dog by building confidence in ourselves. If your dog is a nervous wreck, if your dog is is feeling upset or scared or nervous or anxious or angry or, or frustrated or trying to get something and do something, and if you're not um if you're not um you know doing something that is is building confidence on the uh, for the dog, then obviously you're going to be, um, you know, doing the opposite. You're either helping or you're hurting. I mean, neutral is okay, but, but don't hurt things. It's like the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm, which I always laugh at many doctors, um, how many doctors are playing golf on Wednesdays and the, more, the uh, fatality rate goes down, the death rate goes down um, because there's nobody operating and, and causing issues on, on usually on Wednesdays. It's a, you can look it up. It's pretty funny. Um, but uh, the idea being, first, do no harm. So if you think and you fancy yourself a dog trainer and a dog behaviorist, first make sure you're not doing something that's potentially going to harm the dog. I've seen all kinds of crazy things, and there are companies out there and individuals who call themselves behaviorists or trainers or whatever they call themselves, and they're not. Many, if not if not most, of the people out there who are working with dogs really have no clue, and there is no licensing. Um, now, United Canine Professionals does have a certification. People have to go through it's a, almost a year training, and that's if you go through it pretty quickly. It's a pretty intense, labor-intensive, time-intensive. And what's also wonderful about what we do is it's continuing education. You don't just get certified and you can go out and work with, you know, an aggressive Kane Corso your first week. Uh, we certify people in levels, but this is part of what you should look out for if you are interested or you know somebody who's interested in helping out and, uh, you know, getting people to, um, you know, to, to do great things. What you want to be able to do is is work with your dog at a level that you're comfortable and that the dog is comfortable. Now, yes, we do have through Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals, we do have a wonderful course, a wonderful program that is um, able to train you uh, or train individuals to become canine behaviorists and certified in our technique, Natural Canine Behavior Rehabilitation. And what's wonderful about that 
is that you have a team of almost, well, now we're 200, a little over 200 people who are certified and who help each other. And we learn every time, you know, every week we have a continuing education, we have classes, and it's a really fun and enjoyable time where we're able to help each other. So, of course, um, you know, they're my techniques, so I, I help a lot, but I've got so many wonderful people whom I've trained through these years and they're able to help others. So it's wonderful to be a student, and it's wonderful to learn things, but it's even more wonderful to be a teacher and to teach others how to pass this knowledge on. So one of the things we do when you are trying to get over or get your dog over an issue, especially with with sounds or fear or anything like that, that doesn't take um, as short a time as a dominant dog. A dominant dog something like a pit bull or a roddy or a doby or a shepherd, sometimes they're easier as long as they're not fearful as well because dominance is kind of like two guys in a bar and one guy pushes the other guy and the second guy just beats the living daylights out of the first guy. So the first guy just doesn't challenge the second guy anymore because he says, hey, man, yeah, you're bad, you're you're tough. Uh, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, have a problem with this. Yeah, okay, go ahead. But the issue really is, that when you have a, a little bit of knowledge, it's definitely a dangerous thing. When you have that little bit of knowledge, you think, oh, well, I can fix that. And the problem is, if you haven't personally learned how to do this and you haven't done it, you know, a hundred times, you're really not an expert and you charge anybody else for it. So it's very, very important not to um, try to do something that, you know, that you uh, aren't comfortable with. So um, anyway, it's very, very important to uh, make sure that no matter what you do, that you are uh, within a skill set, within your knowledge, and uh, making sure that you do everything the right way, not the wrong way. So we want to always make sure that we're doing things the right way and that we're not uh, going to be having any issues with our dog because we think we know. Remember, and I say this to all my students all the time, you don't know what you don't know. And thinking you know is a very dangerous thing. Thinking it's safe to go in and, in an intersection and have your car going through an intersection without really being able to see over a blind spot, you think it's safe. That's when you get into a car accident. When you know something there is nothing left to chance. You know how to do it. You know what you're supposed to be working with. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And it's much safer. It's much easier. And, you know, of course, when you uh, are, are, whenever you're doing whatever you're doing, it's always best to have a good knowledge of whatever it is. And with dogs, listen, dogs are complicated. They're like, you know, dealing with children, but the children don't speak. So it's very difficult to know what the dog is thinking. So what we're going to do in the next segment is we're going to discuss how you can get past your dog's past. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo. 
to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo. Healthy. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're talking about how you can prevent your dog from having a behavioral issue that winds up being something that lasts a long time. The best thing to do is always to try to get your dog to a safe location where he's not going to be, um, in, you know, facing that same situation. So, for instance, if you are in a dog park, let's say, and now you're a dog park, and now the dogs are running at your dog, and your dog gets attacked by other dogs. Now, you can do one of two things. Obviously, you've got to get the dog safe. But afterwards, if you can, well, I don't. This is one of the reasons I don't like dog parks. But if you can, try to make sure that you are um, actually going to help the dog, like make sure he's safe. But then if you can, ask a few of the people from the dog park, not the, obviously the dog you had the problem with, ask them to go on a little short walk with you. Get away from the situation, but try your best not to let the last thing that happened in that dog and your life be that time the dog got attacked. If there's thunder or lightning or a car wreck or something goes on, and there's a loud noise. You can snuggle and cuddle your dog, and, oh, honey, I'm all so sorry. It's okay, because your dog here, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be doing whatever the behavior is. That's what your dog thinks, that it's okay to do whatever it is you're rewarding. So we don't want to do that. Why would we want to reward a dog for bad behavior? We wouldn't want to do that. So the first thing that we want to do is let's say something happens. You're going to take the dog out of that situation so that he's safe, and then you want to try to recreate that situation in a safe manner and take the dog through on a leash which would be best in and out of that area, assuming you're not in the middle of a thunder and lightning storm, but in and out, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the dog doesn't react. One of the most common fears and phobias that we see with dogs who are trying to become service dogs is dogs who come from a country setting and, you know, we're running around on a farm or in, you know, local farm area, and now we take them into a city. Well, some of those dogs are overwhelmed by all the sounds. So there are different things you can do, like playing. If you if you record the sounds of a city or go on uh, YouTube, I'm sure there are a million, or um, you can get any of them on uh uh, the different websites, get some sounds that can start getting the dog used to it. Play them on a lower pitch. Don't blast them so your neighbors kick you out of the, the condo complex. But at least this way, you'll be able to have a little bit of, uh, of uh, help with that, You know, where the dogs will be able to hear that noise in their own home, comfortable and not being uh, overwhelmed by it. Um, I have a, a client who has a very, very large mastiff. It's a wonderful, wonderful dog. Dog has genetically, it is just a, an uncertain, fearful dog. 
And, uh, you know, we all get, I, I mean, I haven't had that with my Ridgebacks, but we do get some of those dogs uh, at United Canine Professionals and occasionally at Merlin's Kids where the dog is just, you know, just a fearful dog. And it's very, very hard to um, to convince people not to coddle them. It's like the the ladies who say, I'm going to love my husband out of, or my boyfriend out of his drug abuse. I'm going to love my wife out of her gambling problem. No, you know, you're probably not. You you have to take the person or the animal out of the situation and then control the situation and bring the dog or the human back in. So you wouldn't try to teach somebody not to gamble and go away for Atlantic City or uh, or to Vegas for a week and say, okay, honey, you're not allowed to gamble. Well, that doesn't make sense. You would take the person out, talk to them, work with them psychologically, behaviorally, counseling them, and then you might bring them to that area for a five-minute walk and then just walk around and get used to it and then go away and then go back to it and go you know back and forth until the, the person or the dog feels more comfortable uh, you know, my good friend, Dr. Temple Grand, and I, I love her, one of the things she always says is people always try to move from one point to another instead of stretching. And I say that it's so much better to stretch instead of leaving your comfort zone and exiting your comfort zone and now you're outside your comfort zone. If you have, and you can try this at home, one of those things you can do, if you're standing up, stand up for a moment, put your weight on your right leg. Take a step out with your left leg, but don't lift your right leg up. So now you're kind of straddling the area between your right leg and your left leg. Stay there. I know you guys are going to start getting tired in a minute. Well, what's going to happen eventually is you're going to make a choice of either going on your right leg or back to your left leg or perhaps somewhere in between. And what happens when you stretch the dog instead of actually taking that dog and making it leave what it's comfortable with and go to only what it's not comfortable with, what's going to happen is that the dog is going to wind up being somewhere in between. So imagine if you're on leg and leg, so right leg and left leg are are separated, and eventually you're either going to put all your weight on your left or all on your right. So that's either going backwards to your old comfort zone or completely forward to your new comfort zone, which may not be comfortable at all yet, or what normally happens somewhere in between. So if a dog is afraid, and let's say that his threshold for for a particular issue, let's say a dog, he's dog aggressive. So his threshold might be, let's say, 100 feet. So you're not going to take him to five feet away from the dog because he's going to be going ballistic. But you may be able to get him somewhere between, between the 100 and the zero. So maybe he'll wind up with 70, and now his new threshold is 70 feet. Now you stretch him and let him find his comfort zone and with, of course, your help and perhaps your United Canine Professionals um, certified canine behaviorist. But what will eventually happen is that threshold will start shrinking down and changing, and your dog will be more comfortable at a shorter distance. The shorter the distance and the more comfortable the dog is, the quicker the dog is going to get through it. It's just common sense. Of course, common sense isn't always that common, though. So, again, main thing that you want to do is stretch the dog, stretch his desires, 
stretch his ability, stretch his tolerance and his threshold little at a time. That doesn't mean it's going to take you years to go 100 feet, but it does mean that you have to change the behavior in a, in a comfortable zone and then move forward and, like a rubber band, stretch into a new area. I hope everybody can understand that. We've all seen rubber bands, and we've certainly all seen funny movies where somebody puts one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, and the boat isn't uh, isn't anchored or isn't moored properly, and uh, the person winds up in the water. Well, this is a little better than that, but still, you've got to understand that if, if you don't stretch that dog to a more comfortable area, now he loses all the comfort he has or all the confidence that he has in the old area because you're taking him completely out of it. So service dogs have to be able to be stretched into almost any situation, whether it's got a dog, it's got a horse, it's got a buffalo, it's got people, it's got wheelchairs, whatever it is. The important part is that the dog has to be able to stretch into that new location comfortably and without stress. He may have a little bit of uncomfortable moments, may have a few of them, but if you're there with him and you're not staring at him, he will eventually calm down. So we're going to talk a lot more about that in the next segment. So please stay tuned. We will be right back. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H.com. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, I wanted to talk about something else as well, and we're going to talk definitely more about what we've been discussing, which is how to get your fearful dog through some fear issues. But one of the important aspects as well is nutrition. When you have a dog who's fearful, sometimes the dogs will actually develop health issues. So you definitely want to make sure that your dog isn't on any kind of foods that, of course, we've discussed this ad infinitum. But make sure your dog isn't on any corn, wheat, or soy. Especially corn amps a dog up really too much, and wheat can cause uh, aggression and allergies at both. So you want to definitely keep an eye on what your dog is eating because if your dog seems to be kind of a nervous, nelly, anxious dog, listen to some of our other archived shows on From Shelter Dog to Service Dog and For the Love of Dog because we talk a lot about nutrition. And it is so, so important. So especially if you have a dog who has issues, who has behavioral issues, sometimes they can be linked to what he's eating. That's why I also recommend 
um, are one of our sponsors, and they I just love the stuff. Um, it's NuVet, N-U-V-E-T, NuVet.com. It's a wonderful product, and it is great for a dog under stress. I double it up when my dogs are going to dog shows or we're doing our real-time cancer screenings. We're flying a lot. Um, I give Wyatt four a day. Um, and you can actually mention Merlin's Kids. You can get a, a 15% discount for auto ship, and you can just mention Merlin's Kids or uh, the uh, order code 40560. But all of our service dogs, it's mandatory that our service dogs are um, you know, going to be uh, on the proper nutrition because we don't want dogs to be anxious. So I just wanted to mention that. Just make sure that you don't have your dog on a food that contains corn or wheat especially, and you'll hear all the others from any of our other shows. Um, And also, it's not a bad idea to get a copy of my recent book. I've got quite a few of them out there, but the one that you definitely want to read, it's called Shh Happens, S-H-H-H, Shh Happens, Dog Behavior 101 by Janice Wolf. What I do is I discuss not only nutritional needs, but developmental phases, the differences of what kind of things can happen at a certain phase of the dog's development, and also how to fix some of these things. You know, I don't want you working with an aggressive dog. That's when you need to have your uh, 800 number handy for 855-4K9-PROS or www.unitedk9professionals.com and get in touch with us because we'll help you through that. I've been receiving a lot actually addressed to me emails and things through our Facebook accounts on both the Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professional. Um, A lot of people have been asking, uh, you know, because of the springtime and the warm temperatures, they're asking about flea and tick products and all that. We definitely... Uh, are going to have a very good friend of mine who's a wonderful veterinarian who is going to talk about things like that. Just remember, the fewer chemicals you've got to put into your dog, the better. We don't know how all these things, like chemicals like that that are in all these uh, flea and tick repellents and all. Yes, I, I you do sometimes have to use those. Now, my Ridgebacks, I really don't use them on. But I've seen a lot of allergies for that. And Unfortunately, anything sometimes when anything is a systemic issue, something that might be, um, you know, long-standing, anytime you have that, it can stay in the body and it can cause behavioral changes as well. So, just remembering, definitely, definitely, so so important to keep your dog healthy and happy. Keep them on if you can, organic or at least a natural. That no uh, additives, pesticides, preservatives. Definitely no corn, wheat, or soy. Once you get past that, the dog food or treats won't have anything in it. But I do want to mention that because a lot of times anxiety can be caused and linked uh, with the type of food you're eating, you're feeding. Imagine if you're feeding your child a lot of sugary stuff and Kool Aid and you know candy and junk food. And now, you know, he's all amped up and he's going to Disney World. And you go, okay, get in the car. We're going to Disney World. Oh, yay. Oh, mommy, yay. That's great. And then you yell at him and sit down and shut up and calm down. Well, you've amped him up with all the sugar and candy. You've gotten him all excited because you're telling him you're going to Disney. And then you're yelling at him because he's having a normal reaction to what that would be. 
So don't do the same thing to your dog. When you get ready to take your dog out, don't set your dog up for failure right away. And, oh, you want to go for a walk? Let's go get your leash. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we're going to have fun. You want to go see your friends? And then you wonder why the second your dog walks out the door dragging you ahead of him, that all of a sudden, you know, your dog is becoming dog aggressive or reactive because you're creating excitement before he even gets there. And if your dog has an issue, you're already creating that excitement that can lead to dominant behaviors and even potentially to aggression. So we want to make sure that we don't start out that way. Now, typical thing that happens during this weather, obviously, in another month, we've got 4th of July, and you'll have your delightful neighbors starting to light fireworks off well before that. And unfortunately, you know, dogs are very sensitive, many of them, to to sounds and to different temperatures and different, you know, sights and different things that are happening. And they can feel the vibrations in the ground. And you're all excited and people are wooing and eyeing. It's not really a great idea, even if your dog doesn't mind fireworks, it's really not a great idea to have your dog around fireworks. It's not also a good idea for you to have your dog in a situation where he could potentially uh, be off-leash in, an, in a place where he could become startled and take off. I remember being at a dog show once with, no, I've done dog shows many times, but this one particular time um, I had my dogs and my friend's dogs and we were you know all off-leash and somebody, I wasn't even that close, but it was somebody probably on the other side of the field uh, lit off uh, bottle rockets, and these things were just going crazy, and I think there was a Roman candle in there somewhere. And all of this was, it was just crazy, and it was loud, and it was explosive, and banging, and booming, and all things going on. And my dog, I, I remember Fallon, so this was, a, what, 10, 11 years ago, Fallon kind of scooted behind me and stayed with me. My friend's dog took off, and it, it was gone. Now, the reason that the dog took off is it, it wasn't on a leash. Now, mine wasn't on a leash either, but my dog will come to me when they get, if they ever do get nervous or, or anything isn't right, they'll come to me. But my friend never taught her dog that, so unfortunately, her dog ran off, and it was, I think, the next day or day after they finally found the dog, and it was really traumatized. This was a really beautiful dog. So the moral of the story is you don't need to have your dogs exposed to things like fireworks or like loud noises or taking your dog there if your dog is not a really stable dog. So once you get through when you're training your dog to be a service dog, you have to get your dog through the little things first. Take them to, you know, uh, an area that has dogs but maybe isn't a dog park. Take them to the, the mall when, you know, obviously with training, you take them to the mall but you don't take them on a Saturday before Christmas. You take your dog to places that he's allowed to go without being a service dog, like a PetSmart or, God forbid, you know, any of these box stores like that. But if you go there um, and you go to outdoor areas, you can expose your dog to a lot. Don't do it for three hours. Every dog's got a limit to what he can take. So, again, work with your dog and be sensible. And don't do silly things that could potentially cost your dog uh, his future as your service dog. Please stay tuned. We will be right back.
Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you're referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com. Order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, it's been a very interesting day, and I just love being here to teach all of you all these cool things about dogs. You know, I think the biggest problem is, and I've got this as our segment and segue into uh, our question for the week. One of the important parts is to understand when too much is too much. Now, when we look at a person and somebody says, you know, I'm tired, I can't jog anymore, or, you know, I've, I've got to go to the ladies' room. I can't hold it anymore. Or we say, I'm just starving. I can't wait for my sister-in-law who doesn't serve Thanksgiving dinner until 7 o'clock at night when we've driven up to Connecticut. And, you know, I'm all starving. You know, this is not my current sister-in-law. This is another one. But anyway, sorry, Carrie, it's not you. But the thing is, we all have a limit. But what people tend to do with anything they push that limit. They push it. And the problem is when you have a dog and the dog can't tell you, hey, I'm tired, can we slow down? Hey, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to have a meltdown. Hey, I don't like that noise. It's too loud. Hey, Mom, I don't like this food, but it's all you're giving me. There's going to be a limit that something snaps. That rubber band can only be stretched so far before it snaps. And once it snaps, Try to fix a rubber band. You can tie a knot in it, and you can try to crazy glue it. It's not going to work. If you take the dog and you push your dog too far too fast, you're going to blow his mind out. I don't care if he's the best dog in the world. He's going to get, even if he's doing great, he's going to get sick. He's going to get stressed. You're going to start seeing him gray out very young. He might shut down. You might, he might even do something crazy like bite somebody, the best dog in the world. I've had that happen. I had two service dogs. They were not trained by us. We rescued them because they were both going to be euthanized. One was a beautiful lab golden mix. Uh, we probably know where it came from. Nicest dog in the world was with an autistic boy, 
Um, and they said, oh, well, he's not quite perfect for his original function, so we're going to give him to a boy who's autistic. Well, let me tell you something. When you're dealing with a child who has special needs, especially with autism, kids can push pretty far. A typical kid can push pretty far, but a, a child with autism can really push that dog. And the parents didn't watch the dog, and uh, the dog snapped and literally ripped this kid's face open. And, I, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, I saw the pictures, and it was like a giant smiley face where the dog's canines just ripped the, the whole cheek, and there were so many marks as a poor this little boy. But it was not the little boy's fault because he has autism. It was not the dog's fault because he just reached his breaking point. He snapped like a rubber band. It was the parents who didn't stay with the child and didn't teach the child limits. Well, sometimes not only kids need to be taught limits, sometimes we need to be taught limits. You have to realize that it's an animal, and the animal can't tell you, I'm hot, please let me go. The fact that your dog is still moving forward doesn't mean he's not you know, having respiratory issues. I had one of my best racehorses who literally, and thoroughbreds are amazing and they're known for this, they have heart. Well, heart means they're not using their brain. You don't want to push an animal or a person physically too far, too fast, but you also don't want to push an, you know, a, a, an animal. If you push a horse too far, you know what happens? They get all kinds of bleeding issues. They bleed out through their nose. They have respiratory failure, and they die. And now you've all, we've all seen horrors of horses that are running with broken legs, That, like the famous one with Foolish Pleasure and Ruffian. Ruffian kept running with a broken leg and eventually had to be destroyed. You know, there are just so many horror stories. Well, think of your physical condition and your mental condition, your emotional behavioral state of your dog as being equally important. If you push your dog physically, you can see he's panting, he passes out, whatever. But when you start to take a dog like, um, you know, like physically, you, we see, but emotionally, behaviorally, we don't see it. We, we're not looking for that. And we say, wow, look, he's great, doing great. But if you notice, if the dog is licking, yawning, panting, if he's doing things that are showing you that he's stressed, if he's trying to get away and you keep pulling him toward, if he's uncomfortable somewhere and you keep being insensitive to what his emotional needs are, you're going to burn your dog out and he's not going to be a service dog. Service dogs need to be beyond, beyond, beyond perfect physically and behaviorally. So the problem is that with like, especially with Merlin's kids and United Canine Professionals, because we do this right. We're not you know, going to tell you, oh, yeah, we'll train a service dog. Hey, we'll take it out of the shelter, and in two weeks I'm going to charge you $5,000, and you're going to have your very own service dog. We take years sometimes for dogs. The, the quickest dog we'll ever have is like six months, and that's if the dog is perfect. We have a full history on it. We have it behaviorally for four months and a limited amount of training If on a very, very simple dog. That's a bare minimum on a dog that's incredible. It's typically close to a year, if not more than that. So we don't push the dog constantly over and over and over. We don't train the dog on the same thing every day. It's like training your muscles every day on the same thing. All you're going to do is tire yourself out. You have to give the dog a mental break, an emotional break, a behavioral chance to catch up and not to be 
uh, so overstressed that he ends up with problems. This is the problem with most people. They're going to just do it quickly, and I'm a behaviorist, or I'm a trainer. I used to be a printer. Now I'm a uh, dog trainer. I used to own a bakery. Now I'm a dog behaviorist. It's not that easy. It's very, very difficult for everybody to be able to work with an animal. And this is when you've got expertise, when you've been trained and you're certified. But ask your trainer when you're working with someone. Ask them, how many service dogs have you trained? How many dogs in general have you trained? Tell me about your best case and your worst case. Tell me how many you've done this month. How many you've done this year? What were the outcomes? Hey, can I, can I look you up on Google? Hey, listen, if you can look up anybody on the Internet, if you can Google somebody and you can't find anything on them or you don't find anything good on them, you probably don't want them because they probably haven't been around a very long time. You'd be surprised how short of a time most dog trainers have been doing things. Oh, I graduated from the ABCDEFG Academy, and, you know, I'm a dog trainer and I'm 18 years old. Well, you, you know, we always think that because someone's older that they've been doing something for a longer time. It doesn't really happen that way. Very, very often people start later in life, and you might see that person who's 35 and think they've got 10 years of experience and they might not have any experience. You may be their first or second or 10th or client. And I'll tell you from personal experience, if you haven't done at least 500 or 1,000 dogs easily, you don't know anything about dogs. You can't even be certified. You shouldn't be certified. You shouldn't be charging money. But when you get somebody who's been doing this for, you know, 20, 30 years and has fixed 25,000-plus dogs, can't even count how many there are anymore, that's something different because that's a person who has experience, and that's who I wanted to learn from. Of course, I couldn't find it, but I became that person. But it took me a lot of years of learning, and I guess I do have a college background from Columbia University in animal behavior, but dogs have taught me things. And I've learned from so many different dogs and some people early on, but what I really learned was from horses, because if you have a horse and you mess up, you're going to get kicked in the head or hurt. You're going to die. With a dog, you might get bitten, especially a little dog. So just be aware and don't always um, rush to do things. Be aware of things. Get a copy of my book. It's only 10 bucks, and it's, a, it's really a wonderful book. It's called Shh Happens, S-H-H-H Happens, Dog Behavior 101 by Janice Wolf, and you can uh, get it on Amazon. You can also use Amazon Smile, and Amazon Smile, you'll actually be able to uh, go to Merlin's Kids if you hit smile.amazon.com. You can purchase your uh, whatever you buy on Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything else, but Merlin's Kids gets a donation. So if, you, uh, if you're an Amazon shopper, that's one way you can help us to help more dogs, smile.amazon.com, and make sure you choose your charity, Merlin's Kids, and help us to help more dogs. Well, we will definitely be back next week. We'd love to see you on Friday on For the Love of Dog, but this is Janice Wolf. Wyatt and Lexi signing off for today's show. Have a wonderful, safe, healthy week. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. 